Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 67, the Justin Marks is a Mogul uh, edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew, and I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? Yeah, I'm doing good, Phil. Yeah, we have a pretty shocking news today with Trackhouse Racing deciding to buy out uh, Chip Ganassi, and I think nobody foresaw that coming. So uh, I guess we'll have to discuss that first here on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, we're going to go over all the racing that took place last week in uh, Formula One, of course, Styrian Grand Prix, Ascar, Pocono, uh, Hard R actually didn't win a race for once um, or twice. Uh, but, you know, you had uh, the Dutch TT MotoGP, you had Brands Hatch, British Touring Cars, W Series, Return at Red Bull Ring. <laughs> You had the six hours at the Glen, which Mazda won. Uh, so there's all that. We will go into all that within whether a regular segment or the, of course, the roundup. Then we will get into this weekend's events at uh, the Austrian Grand Prix second consecutive week at the Red Bull Ring, along with the Indy cars at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. We'll have IMSA running again at Watkins Glen for a short, for a two-hour, 45-minute race. We'll have NASCAR's uh, Cup and Xfinity at Road America, so Cup will make their debut on July the 4th, no, no less, at Road America. It'll be the debut of uh, Ryan Eversley as a Cup Series driver, albeit as a Rick Ware car. <laughs> Uh, get an F3 uh, because there's a bunch of Americans in there. And there's other news going on in regards to supercars and the like. Uh, get into all of that. But first uh, piece of news, as uh, Josh mentioned and I mentioned, uh, Trackhouse Entertainment Group, which is the, I guess, the overall overarching uh, group, which is Justin Marks. Uh, owned he owns the 99 car in the cup series with daniel suarez but as of the end of this year um uh, as of november 8th of this year he will officially own what is now chip ganassi racing's nascar program uh so that and get the two charters that are connected with that Daniel Suarez will connect. It will continue to drive one of the cars. I'll assume they'll just keep the 99 number. Uh, what the other number and who will drive the second car is to be determined. What will happen with all the people that are involved? The shop, the Ganassi shop, will be used by the Trackhouse organization. I mean, there's lots of things going on with this. I mean. Uh, Chip Ganassi Racing has been in Cup for 20 years and has 19 wins. Uh, interestingly enough, I don't know, somebody on the socials somewhere on Twitter said the only time that a Ganassi car finished in the top five in points was Sterling Marlin back in 2001. And then, of course, the next year, he led the points into September, got hurt at Richmond, and then re and then aggravated his injury more basically to the point where he had to get out of the car. And that was basically the end of Sterling Marlin's career um, at Kansas. 
which uh, derailed that season and then be, and ended their chance at a championship, allowed uh, Tony Stewart to get his first of three Cup Series championships. I mean, there's lots of connections. Once you start kind of like digging into it, there's a lot of connections here between, you know, the Trackhouse, Assey, DEI. You know, you have you have Ty Norris in there. You have I was I I think I was initially going to say the guy who says Dale and Caiocho now owns the team that used to be essentially the team that used to be the number uh, the Dale Earnhardt Incorporated in the eight car. But yeah, it's a crazy day in NASCAR and in charter charter sales when uh, a few days ago colleague went and spent twenty million dollars for two charters from Spire and now Ganassi flat sold his cup program uh, to go and basically commit to what he already has always committed more energy to, which is his Indy car and uh, sports car and I guess now extreme E programs. So um, I guess uh, initial thoughts, Josh, and uh, what do you what what do you look for in regards to what do you think early thoughts on what the team may look like or who may be that second driver um, coming in 2022? Because there are rumors with at least one of their current drivers in regards to where he may be going. Yeah, I think this news was pretty shocking. Uh, when I first saw it, I was like, what? This isn't real. You know, and then looked on Twitter and checked uh, the sources and all that stuff and uh, saw the AP report that Trackhouse Racing had uh, purchased Chip Ganassi Racing. And it's pretty shocker because we there was no indication uh, from anywhere until today that uh, Ganassi uh, was going to sell his team. And it didn't look like ever that this was, you know, he's going to sell his team. It looked like he'd be a mainstay in NASCAR, you know, his main teams being IndyCar and NASCAR. Now this happened and uh, Justin Marks essentially is taking over uh, Chip Ganassi. And one point to bring up is uh, Justin Marks used to drive an Xfinity in the 42 car on the road courses for Ganassi. And now he's essentially bought out his uh, former uh, car owner in that series. And then, you know, of course, with Ty Norris, their former uh, spotter for Michael Waltrip and Dale Jr. And then eventually general manager for DEI all the way up until the end, until he left a few, a few years into that, like, you know, back in mid 2000s. And of course, uh, taking a job with Trackhouse and now essentially uh, buying back into or, you know, buying Chip Ganassi and basically taking over the remaining assets of Dale Earnhardt Incorporated in that number one car. So, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of uh, things that went into that, um, a lot of things are stories and names to tie into uh, this. Uh, and I think initially, you know, they said that with uh, the purchase of this team that they'll try to keep on most of everybody. And I think logically speaking, that probably uh, indicates the 42 car uh, for my initial guess, because it seems like Kurt Busch is probably on the way out anyways. It's, uh, th that was trending before uh, this news. He might be leaving the number one team and uh, going to possibly a second team for 2311 racing, being a teammate to Bubba Wallace. But I think uh, for the 42, they'll probably keep that team around. I mean, it is essentially the uh, what is now the flagship car for Ganassi. Obviously, the number one was the former DEI car, and then uh, you know the 40 car went away. The 
the 41 car uh, for Ganassi went away, you know, many, many years ago. So uh, now I think that's basically the original Gassi team now. So I think that's probably going to be the one that they keep the, uh, well, you know, we'll find out for sure. Maybe, maybe they don't like Ross Chastain or something like that, but I find that a little hard to believe because I'm sure Mark's probably has connections to him through maybe that, you know, partnership with uh, Ganassi when he was there. So I think uh, we'll, we'll have to see what the evaluation process is, but I think that'll probably be the second car. Uh, obviously they have Daniel Suarez. So Suarez being teammates with, uh, uh, with Ross Chastain, that, that could be a pretty good pairing. Uh, both of them, you know, fairly young drivers and Chastain, we know he's pretty aggressive and, you know, we have somebody like Daniel Suarez who's um, maybe not as aggressive, but certainly uh, knows uh how to get the most out of his races, out of his cars, uh, having, you know, been in wide range of cars and Gibbs uh, racing and then going to uh, Gaunt brothers and kind of grinding it out there on, you know, one of the lower teams uh, for a year or two. And then now this car where uh, at track house where, you know, they've been able to quietly get a couple of top tens uh, here and there and get stage points. And I, you know, basically be the best new team right out of the gate. And then of course, you know, there's also the, um, engine program. Uh, you know, they, I think they both get Hendrick engines. I mean, we knew that with Ganassi and I think track house also has, uh, Hendrick engines. And then there's the, uh, Alliance with RCR. So I think we'll have to see, uh, if that continues on from now or for next year, if they still continue to partner with RCR in a technical Alliance, or if they're going to eventually break away from that. And then, you know, you have the uh, story or, or I guess the part of the story where they're going to be at the Ganassi shop for 2022 and then 2023, they're maybe looking to try to move to Nashville. We'll have to see you know, how successful is that, you know, most of the teams in NASCAR being based in Morrisville, North Carolina area. And then, you know, it seems like that's your best chance of success. And we've seen in the past uh, furniture row, you know, being partnered with Joe Gibbs and staying in uh, Denver, Colorado. Of course, it's a lot closer, uh, Nashville being a lot closer to Charlotte than Denver, but, you know, we'll have to see that aspect, uh, how, how good that does that, um, I guess, storyline work out for track house. So a lot of things to tie into a lot of things to analyze, but you know, initially just a total surprise. But I think one other thing I will say is for Ganassi, I mean, NASCAR is a huge revenue stream for him. And you have to think that even though with the sale, I mean, it's a one-time sale. And now that he's selling off the NASCAR team, he doesn't have that uh, value coming in from NASCAR, which is you know still the uh, most valuable motorsport in America uh, compared to IndyCar, compared to IMSA. So, I mean, now he gets to focus on the racing uh, that he's most passionate about, being open-wheel racing and sports car racing. But, I mean, the funding that NASCAR probably uh, helped him to be able to run those other teams is uh, going away. And now he's going to have to make some considerations on those sides uh, of what he's going to do with those teams and and uh, who he's going to have to pay over there. Yeah, I mean, I th- you consider the current his current sports car program is a unsponsored blank zero one Cadillac LMP, uh, you know, uh, or DPI, whatever, um, with Kevin Magnus and Ranger Vanderzanda, but obviously they're two paid uh, drivers. And uh, Ganassi has a three, what is it, three full time or four full time cars with uh, all fully funded with different sponsors in each case um you know uh, of course sticks in with pnc 
NTT data for the most part with Palo, Alex Palo, and it, what is it, Husky Chocolate for, for what's his name, uh, Erickson, and then you know Jimmy Johnson with Carvana. You have the American Legion um, on the forty-eight car. I think the fact is Ganassi, he'd run its course. He wasn't gonna sell, and he wasn't thinking about selling, as you said. And then you know Justin Marks gave him a deal he couldn't refuse. And and frankly, I think the angle has always been for Ganassi. I mean, let's be fair here. I was trying to think about this once I heard the news of of this actually going down, and I'm trying to think what are the years where Ganassi was actually a factor. And okay, zero two thousand one, two thousand two with Sterling. I I agree. Uh, McMurray kind of flirted with the playoffs for the first couple of years when they had the chase format, but couldn't make it because it was ten drivers. Then he moved on to Roush, um, and then they kind of dropped off for a year. They got Juan Pablo Montoya, and I think two thousand nine. Was the year I believe it's 09. It was one of those years like where 2009. He, just, he was like he's, points racing like crazy. Yeah. Should have won Indy. Um, Sonoma too that yeah, year. Yeah. So I mean that was one year. So then okay, so that's three years. And then after that, okay, McMurray came back in ten, and he had that great year, but still didn't make the playoffs, um, which was the only year of relevance he really had in in his overrated career, but. Uh, so then you have that, and then and then from there, Larson sixteen, Larson 17. 17. So, yeah. I mean, for a twenty-year, basically twenty-year run in this Cup Series, and granted, Kurt Busch has made up a ton of points in recent weeks. Kelly Crandall is saying there wrote a story on Racer.com, meeting humble pie, uh, that you know Kurt Busch has made up all these points, and now he's in the cutoff. Uh, but it shows kind of how weak the back end of the playoff is and how they probably need to cut, get rid of more drivers and make it a 12 driver chase uh, like it used to be because frankly, the RCR cars are not amazing. Uh, Chris Buescher, God love him, Roush Racing, it's going to be Roush, Fenway, Keselowski soon enough. You know, they're not that great. And then, you know, Kurt Busch has been the drizzling until about three, four weeks ago. Kurt Busch and the 42 car with drizzling shits. Um, I mean, I give credit to Trackhouse that they're taking RCR equipment, essentially the 13 car, and they're running 18th in points. I mean, granted, Suarez is a better driver than Ty Dillon. Granted, they probably have way better people. Uh, you have Travis Mack there. You have a lot of good you have a lot of pieces there a lot of money uh good business decisions being made by justin marks along with ty norris ty norris wanting his redemption arc and um you know i think they're going about it and he's been talking saying all the right things you know having pitbull has been a great uh marketing uh boom for them it's it's a it's a positive for the sport. I but what I I look at it in this angle too. Now that Ganassi Racing is gone and it'll be Trackhouse Racing for the foreseeable future, whatever. Uh, what 
what is the next domino to fall in regards to charters? Because the the Spire deal, they were always in this to go and sell out, and they got Matt Colley to pay twenty million dollars, or uh, uh, allegedly twenty million dollars to get two charters, one that they're going to run full time. Uh, it sounds like it's between Justin Haley and Kaz Gralla. <laughs> And then a second car that would be AJ Allmendinger on road courses and ascend and other assorted tracks, but they aren't going to run. They're going to run multiple drivers in that car. Spire still has one charter left, which they're going to run with a penny stacker. And based on, I think one report, he's saying that they may run a second car, which I guess they're trying to figure out a way. I think some of these teams are trying to figure out the viability of running open uh, since JTG Doherty has been able to run an open car this year um, to a, I mean, to a point. I mean, let's be fair. JTG Doherty isn't really doing that great. Um, I'm not sure Stenhouse. I have to see this. I have to check the uh, points off the top. Uh, yeah, let's give me a second here. In regards to the point standings and where, uh, you know, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is 19th in points. He's behind Daniel Suarez right now by six points. So that that tells you a lot. I mean, uh, they're not running all that great uh, with a team the amount of years they've had. And, then of course, Priest is behind all that. So... I don't know. I was going to look at it in this way. Who, like, who are we looking at now that has charters that really ought to sell? I mean, I think there's pretty obvious answer, but I mean, it's kind of like a softball there, but, and who is in line to get these charters? Is it JTG Doherty? Is it 2311? Is it's not track house anymore. Is there some other team? Is it GMS? who's rumored to become in a cup is RPM going to go away like that. What, what are the, what are the next things we have to look at, I guess, with the silly season, because that's going to start spinning the driver market around too. Cause now theoretically Kurt Busch for all intents and purposes is a free agent. Now Ross Chastain is going to get hosed more than likely for a second time. Um, you know, then then you have some of these other pieces that are going on. Priest is probably going to go back to mods uh, full time next year. So that car, who knows what the hell is going to happen to that car, depending on if they can or cannot get a charter. But what do you see or what are you thinking, Josh, in regards to that? Well, I think one team that you didn't mention there is uh, Junior Motorsports and Dale Jr. talked on Ask Junior on his podcast about the the level i guess that they would need to be able to get into cup and you know they talked about the uh the rumor about uh spire selling their uh charter or whoever uh colleague bought their chargers from they they sold it or they bought it for um yeah spire they sold it for uh or you know for 10 million to calling racing and junior said like this uh that wasn't good for him like they weren't willing to pay that much money and that's out all the way out in the you know, eight figures range. And then of course, track house, like instead of buying a charter, this, that was one point uh, in the news today is that instead of uh, purchasing a charter and spending all that money, they just went the other way around and purchased the team. So 
that's uh, another thing where we're going to see is like who else uh, is going to buy a, or you know sell their team and i think maybe rpm maybe they decide to sell out and cash in richard petty even though he's not really the owner it's you know some investor or whatever like do they decide to sell out to somebody else or they give up their charter um maybe well i guess i was going to say roush but then of course there's the the news that keselowski is all but it's all but announced that they're going to partner with Keselowski and, and, uh, have, uh, ownership in that team. So I don't think there, there'd be a charter going away there. Uh, so, I mean, some of the lower teams, maybe, uh, like you said, maybe JTG, uh, you know, they get rid of their charter or something like that. So a lot of, uh, teams, uh, or, or a lot of, you know, teams that could go into the cup series and don't have a charter and, and, you know, maybe some of these lower teams, like, you know, your friend Wick, where, uh, uh, you know, Derek Cope's team, the double zero, do they decide to, uh, you know, if they continue on and then they have competition from colleague, they have competition from GMS, Dale Jr.'s team, uh, they're going to have to step it up. And I think these other teams, maybe even if they don't have a charter, uh, they'd still be able to qualify their way into races because they're a higher quality team than uh, than those other teams like Rick Ware and, and uh, the double zero car. So I think, uh, a lot of a lot of things left to uh, settle here, and it's certainly this is just the first domino of silly season for 2022 and 2021. Or yeah, yeah. I mean, the, that's those are all great points. I think there's one piece that we haven't gotten to where there's supposed to be a performance aspect connected to these charters, where for like a three year consecutive run, if you are below a certain threshold. I don't know what the, I, mean, I don't, I forget what the specifics are, but it's basically something where the Rick Ware car is a land. And if you run below a certain threshold for three consecutive years, you're the bottom, one of the bottom three or bottom four or some crap. It's kind of like relegation in, in like the English premier league or whatever, you know, like kind of deal. Then that charter, you lose your charter. So under that pretense, Rick Ware should lose at least one charter. Just period, end of story. The double zero you mentioned, they suck. Um, Quinn Hoff's one of the worst race car drivers I've ever seen in my life. The team is just basically out there to be in the way. Um, the world would be a better place if that team disappeared, honestly. Um, you know, Rick Ware Racing, God love them for how they do in Asian Le Mans series and uh, have basically infiltrated IndyCar with their doppelganger and Dale Coin racing, uh, you know, and but Dale Coin's carrying them, and you have Roman Grosjean who's on his own redemption arc, uh, and they're running pretty good. And even his son actually did decent in an IndyCar, which I actually gave him credit for, um, considering I like to roast Rick Ware at any sense, I any chance I get. But the point is, like, what I mean, he was trying to, I think the one thing was, oh, he was trying to hold uh, Justin Mark's feet to the coals, and then he's like, well, I'll one-up you, and I'll actually get a proper racing team. And um, that's what he did. And now Rick Ware's like, well, I can still sell him. But then he's like, oh, I'm going to run three cars. I'm like, no, you're not running three You've never run a proper race car out of your own deal that I've ever seen. Like, can I would love somebody to tell me that listens to this show and comment. Can you tell me a time when Rick Ware Racing has ever run 
a legitimate proper car in a NASCAR race that 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 didn't have some sort of connection to Stuart Haas. I mean, to, to be fair, Cold Custard ran for them and they sucked dick. You know, they've had other people run for them. They sucked. You know, like, like tell me. At least, like, BJ McLeod, like, like I could use BJ McLeod as a perfect example. Live Fast Motorsports. He just took that, you know, Archie St. Hilaire charter. And he's already come out and said, no, I've already done this. I made this deal. I mean, it helps Tift has tons of money, too. I'm not getting rid of it. I get it. You know why? Because he's utilizing that charter money and he's helping himself in regards to his Xfinity program, which is his main team anyway. That's his big, he has a multi-car team there. He has Stuart Haas connections with like team, I think a pit crew and whatever. He has Stuart Haas drivers driving for him and they're running good stuff. They run better than the actual Stuart Haas car. I mean, it's not that hard because Riley Herbst is, is God awful. But the fact is, they're running good. They're running better. They're somewhat competitive. That's the point. Like, if Rick Weir wants to go and be in the Cup Series, it's like it's one thing. I get the 78 is not the fastest car. Generally, they're not doing much anything. But BJ McLeod doesn't sit there and get in the way. BJ McLeod is actually good with the fans. BJ McLeod actually cares. You know, he has a plan of action. He has a direction that involves upward mobility. No, he's not going to get to be, no, to be fair, I don't think they're going to, he's going to get to Stuart Haas or Penske in the Ford camp, or he's not going to get to Hendrick or for Chevy or for Gibbs for Toyota. But he's actually trying. If NASCAR actually cared about quality control, which obviously they don't, um, they would basically say to Rick Ware, look, sell one of those charters to 2311. Sell the other one to freaking JTG, one to JTG Dory. Ask the petty organization, whatever medallion group, what you want to do with that charter and if they'll sell it out outright. So then you have two cars. You want two cars? Good. Give your shot. You can run two cars. You want to really make a a quality cup field? That's one way to do it. You only have two seller dweller pieces of shit. One less chance of having like Garrett Smithley or some never will be driving a car that can't even look in a mirror you know like get cody probably should be in an indie car you know you have ryan norman who couldn't get it out couldn't win an indie lights race or whatever he's making his indie car debut in the second second third uh coin rare car like that's the thing it's becoming that car so it's like you know what just put cody in the freaking indie car and put somebody who actually might have a modicum of talent that might have a chance and maybe make that car run good. Maybe people wouldn't shit on you every single week. Um, you know, or you you know, like that's that's the way. If if NASCAR was serious, that's what they would do. Because that's what Trackhouse said. They're like, no, we're not going to give in to the lowest common denominator. We're going to go one up you, and we're actually going to go to a, a a mogul, and we're going to buy him out, and we're going to get a big team, and we're going to get all these pieces, and we're going to be able to except get this new car and be able to prepare it the right way give suarez a chance and it also speaks to suarez's words last year when he announced that he was going to this deal and he said that this is the best opportunity he's ever had he's 17th and 18th in points whatever and to be fair 
this is the best Daniel Suarez has ever run in a cup car this year. I mean, yeah, he's had moments. He's had good runs. And I think for both the 19 car and the 41, but this is the best he's been. This is the most TV he's gotten. All these different things for Suarez has happened this year. It's not by accident. The kid, I mean, is he an elite driver? No. He's a good driver. And that team is good. You have a lot of good pieces there. And now you're just adding on to that. That's what's good about that is good for the sport. Having the likes of Matt Colley, who's one of the only fresh owners, along with Justin Marks, that's good. The notion of a GMS coming into the sport probably going in, I think, the, what we were talking about. I was talking with Clayton and um, Spencer, and I, uh, the host and one of the other co-hosts on Talking in Circles. We were talking about all these damn charters and how maybe Petty finally gives it up and then they give it to GMS, you know, then you, who knows who the hell it would be at that point. Uh, you know, like that's, that's not, that's not a bad thing. Maury Gallagher has been investing in the sport for many years, first with his son and now multiple trucks. Um, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah. There's those are the positive. You need to bring new ownership. Cause all these guys are, are old as fuck outside of Tony. All of them are in their 70s, 80s, whatever. You know, one eye Jack was like 80s, pushing 80 or whatever, or over 80. You have Fat Felon, 70s. RC, 70s. You know, like, or whatever. And who knows? The, the All these guys are old, except for Tony Stewart. So the fact that you have a Justin Marks, you have Matt Colley, you have some of these other guys coming in, it's actually a positive. Um, and I and quality control, it speaks to quality control. It also goes and makes Rob Kaufman look like a genius, um, and he makes more money in the process. So it's sad, and yet's another connection. Considering that's a he's part of the Ganassi ownership group right now in the Cup Series, so now he makes more money. The guy was part of basically liquefying Michael Waltrip Racing because of uh, Michael and you know, Tynor and all these other damn things then trying to kill people at Lamar. And then now he goes and makes his RTA doing all that. Now he just, it's, it's like a fucking pyramid scheme and Rob Kaufman's the only one that makes money really. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll find out what happens with that. Um, as this, the rest of this silly season goes on, I mean, we're halfway through the actual year, but we're, past the halfway point in the cup series season a lot's going to come along here probably in the next couple of months prior to the playoff starting and um, we'll see what happens with whatever remaining charters there are uh, we will switch over to uh, the formula one race the Styrian grand prix at uh, red bull ring in austria saw Max Verstappen win yet another race and uh pretty dominating fashion. He did so well I fell asleep. So um credit to Max Verstappen. Uh, that's that's something I haven't done in a while with a Formula 1 race. So um good on him. Uh Pierre Gasly got taken out by Charles Leclerc and Charles Leclerc didn't even get penalized. 
Gasly didn't even make it past the first lap. George Russell was running eighth early in the race, had overheating problems, and eventually had to retire the car. So, I mean, while his teammate could only beat Egghead by eight seconds, 8.4 seconds, so it tells you how much of a difference there is between George Russell and his teammate, Nicholas Latifi. It also speaks to where he probably should be. But I say that considering Valtteri Botas actually finished third in the race. Verstappen won by 35. Uh, what is this? Let's damn stop. Yeah. Is trying to go over here. Yeah. 35.7 seconds over Lewis Hamilton. Uh, beat Valtteri Botas by 40, nearly 47 seconds, 46.9. Sergio Perez finished fourth, and he was the last car on the lead lap. So there's 20 cars on the grid, four cars finished on the lead lap. The rest of the points finishers, uh, Lando Norris, Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, Stroll, Alonso, Yuki, Sonoda, um, they were all one lap down. Uh, everybody from 5th to 15th was a lap down. Uh, Schumacher was on his own lap, two laps down. And then Latifi and Egghead finished three laps down and the last two drivers there. So, yep, Max Verstappen adds to his points lead. Even with the Mercedes 2-3, Red Bull still gains points in the... Uh, driver's standings and the constructor's standings. Max Verstappen is now uh, 18 points ahead of Lewis Hamilton in the world championship. Um, in terms of the constructor standings, Red Bull is 40 points ahead of Mercedes in the constructors. So it's starting to become an issue um, for Mercedes if they really are trying to continue this uh, streak of winning both the drivers and constructors championship. If Lewis is going to win number eight this year, it's going to be well-earned um, the way things have been going. Um, I guess, I mean, it, it, it's, it's really, it's Red Bulls and Max Verstappen's to lose at this point, both of these championships, uh, the way their car is, the way he's been running, the way they qualify I mean, what's who's what is really going to stop him outside of just like Lewis Hamilton, like nutting up like nobody's business to a level that is akin to like Ayrton Senna circa 93 driving a second rate Ford engine with a, the third best car on the grid kind of level to go and, and win. Like, that's literally what has to happen. I, I don't know what you think, though, Josh. Well, I think for Mercedes to uh, come back from this deficit that they're under, this 18-point deficit, you know, they're going to have to make a lot of changes and get a lot of upgrades into their car. And there's a, a lot of differences in you know Mercedes' car versus you know Red Bull's car for this year. They got you know different wings. You know, they've got a lot of you know their downforce is a lot different. Uh, I think power they're somewhat similar 
but it's all it's all in the handling i think and and uh how much you know pace through through the corners um and you know under under braking that each of these cars have and i think that's just where verstappen is just so much better than uh lewis hamilton right now and if uh they're not able to make the uh, the right upgrades or if they don't upgrade uh this championship is max verstappen's to to win and as long as they don't have the, uh, you know, they don't fuck it up. They, you know, they don't royally screw themselves over with like some kind of engine failure or accident or something like that. This is uh, the title for Red Bull to win this year. But for for Hamilton, I mean, uh, they've they tried a different strategy again this week. You know, they went with the the two stop strategy. Um, they they tried to undercut uh, Verstappen, but they weren't quick enough to do it. And then at the end, uh, they wore their tires out trying to catch it up uh, for stopping and uh, decided to go pit and uh, set the fast slap and at least you know, take that point away from for stopping. But for the, you know, for the most part, it, I mean, it was all, all Red Bull's race there. I mean, they, they led 71 laps and uh, Red Bull could have easily gotten podium because uh, they had uh, Sergio Perez uh, come in or get a pit stop towards the end of the race also. And then uh, he was really close to passing uh Valtteri Botas there on the last lap, uh, just got within like six tenths or so, of, uh, getting in, in, uh, in front of him there at the end of that race. But, uh, for Hamilton, uh, you know, it's another second place finish. And if, uh, this trend continues, you know, they just, it's just not going to happen for him this year. And they say that, uh, they're going to have upgrades coming later this season, even if, uh, they continue to focus more. So on 2022 with, uh, the new, uh, formula one, uh, rules package, that's going to, uh, come into effect next year with, with, uh, a lot of different changes that are coming to that car. But I mean, for this year, um, and they've got to find, I don't know what it is, but they've, they've got to be able to figure out exactly what they got to do to, uh, catch Red Bull and, and, uh, at least, turn the, the fight back into their favor here, but it's definitely going to be a, a big challenge because I mean, I think Lewis can do it. We've seen him you know, do it before, but uh, it's going to be a, a lot of help from Mercedes. That's going to have, have to happen to make uh, Lewis uh, catch Max in the championship. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, after all these years, I guess there's plenty of people are happy about it. And, uh, you know, as, a Lewis Hamilton fan. I'm not happy about it, but the notion is Red Bull for all these years whined and bitched and moaned about the engine regulations and I think probably some of the other regulations that have been involved. But what they did was they basically went the opposite way of what Mercedes was doing. They got the flexi wing deal, as you mentioned. They had the rake of the cars different. Uh, compared to the Mercedes and I think the Aston Martin more famously because of uh, Otmar Safnau or whatever the fuck he is whining and bitching and moaning you know like the they had those teams have been on a deficit the whole year but you, you look at Aston Martin they've been able to pull out some results with Sebastian Vettel waking up from the dead and then you have Mercedes of course the the notion with Mercedes, Red Bull has had them the whole year. Uh, Max Verstappen's had them the whole year. Uh, Checo started to has started to make some inroads these last few races. 
um, which I kind of felt like was going to happen anyway, and it has. Um, they, uh, those, the, so the point is Red Bull's got the better overall driver lineup right now. Red Bull has a better car. Red Bull in theory has a better, has an engine that is at the same level as Mercedes, as you know, you mentioned too, Josh. The, the, so where, where does Mercedes, like, where do you answer? Like, in, like the upgrades, yeah, they, one minute they're saying, oh, we're not going to upgrade anymore. So then you're basically mailing it. Then you're like, oh, no, no, we don't mean that. We're going to have upgrades. We're going to make sure to try to keep it. Because here's the thing. You're not going to tell Lewis Hamilton, oh, no, take it on the chin. You know, he wants to get to 100 wins. I figure if something comes of this, he wants at least, if he isn't going to get his eighth world championship this year, he wants to get 100 wins. And I think 100, getting two more wins this year is possible. Do I think he's going to keep win to a, extend to where he can get himself not only back in the world championship and overtake Max Verstappen. I don't see that. There's too many circuits that exist uh, that would favor Red Bull uh, relative to the Mercedes. And Verstappen is at another level this year. He's taken that step that all these great drivers have had to do uh, whether it was Lewis, whether it was Schumacher, Senna, Vettel, Prost, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all the great drivers. You had to take these steps, and now he's taking that step to where he's got that, like, killer. He's always had the killer instinct, but he didn't always have the race craft, and he would do stupid crap like his moronic father. And then you had all these douchebags that are like his bosses and everything. Now it doesn't even matter. Like he's very relaxed. He's very deliberate. And I, I think it also helps that Checo being there has kind of brought a calming influence to the organization. And he also brings a very mature, um, very uh, meticulous um, methodology to his, his racecraft too. And of course, everybody knows Sergio Perez is like their best at saving tires. So now you're using somebody who knows how to save tires with a car that's pretty good on tires. And now you're going and giving yourself options and strategy. So it's it's the it's like the it's the worst case scenario for Mercedes in that Botas basically is is a puppet and everybody knows that George Russell is going to be in that car. And the only person I think that doesn't want it to happen, I think, is Lewis. Um, he's kind of having vibes of like, you know, Lotus, Senna had in Lotus 86, but it's not that bad. Um, obviously, they were able to prepare two very good cars for both of their drivers and have a championship battle uh, for three years when that other guy was in the team. And then they... For a couple, even one year, maybe one and a half years over this whole time with Valtteri Botas being there uh, for the four and a half years or four plus years that he's been there. So, I mean, whatever. I, I think we'll see what the uh, what will be called the Austri Austrian Grand Prix. We'll preview that later, but I don't I don't foresee even with the, the compound changes much of a difference i don't buy that all of a sudden in a week's time 
Mercedes is going to find 35 seconds in a, in in race in a race pace unless they have they find like a half a second in qualifying and then all of a sudden you're you're kind of in the mix but that's just not going to happen and it's a hard track there are passing zones but it's very hard to make things happen there so we'll see what happens in general uh the the midfield battle you know of course lando norris continues to uh show himself to be a great uh contender here he's gonna be he's in the top five in points i mean that's a great job in his third year uh he's only 10 points ahead of sergio perez he's had um two podiums he has finished only he's finished worse than uh outside of the top five only once this year and that was eighth he scored in every race this year um which i think he's the only person that's done that yeah he's the only person that's scored points in every single race uh, perez didn't score at uh at imola max Verstappen, of course at baku when he crashed out of the lead um lewis hamilton of course when he binned it there as well uh He's had the one seventh place at Monaco, but otherwise was first or second in every race. He had three of the first four race wins. And then the other one was was Max Verstappen. And that's where the first four races were very close. The uh, tide, of course, shifted at Monaco. Um, Leclerc is sixth. He's only 16 points behind Valtteri Botas. Right now, Carlos Sainz and Leclerc are only separated by eight points. Uh, Pierre Gasly, Ricardo, who had moved up to the top 10 initially on the start, then had uh, some sort of overheating or some sort of issue and then had to fall back or made a mistake. He fell back right back to 13, never could make the time back up. He's only... There's seven points between Gasly, Ricardo, and Fernando, I mean, Sebastian Vettel. So I think in regards to the midfield battle, Ferrari actually showed up this past race compared to what the hell happened at at Paul Ricard, where they were they were just like they were freaking smoking hot garbage. And then now they both teams got back in points. Granted, Charles Leclerc ran over Pierre Gasly to help himself, but um, is the in regards to the midfield battle is 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 it still just McLaren? Are we considering both McLaren and Ferrari still in play as we keep going into this season? But I think right now for the midfield battle, I think it's mostly McLaren. But then I think on occasion like this race, you're going to see uh, Ferrari have a good day like they did uh, in this race. And then you're going to have races where they performed like they did in France, where both of uh, their cars were way out of the points uh, in this uh, season. So it's somewhat inconsistent for Ferrari where, you know, they're either in the points or they're out of the points in some races. And uh, for McLaren, it seems like uh, Lando Norris is their best shot. And for the most part, he's gotten the job uh, done 
so far. I mean, every now and then you have Ricardo um, make it into the points, but this this race he struggled. So not entirely, I guess, for McLaren with uh, Ricardo finishing in 13th compared to uh, both of Ferrari's cars uh, getting into the points in the top 10, Saints in sixth place, and then Leclerc in seventh. So uh, a lot of difference there, but I think overall uh, McLaren is the better team of the two, but, you know, occasionally we'll see, uh, they'll, them get outperformed by Ferrari. And then, uh, uh, and then like in this race where they did get into the points, but I, I think, you know, uh, as far as like other teams in the midfield, uh, that we have to talk about as well. I mean, Fernando Alonso is still continuing to just get into the points. And I, I think in terms of consistency, you know, that team specifically, that car has been able to get in the points, uh, many times so far this year in, in this season. And, uh, they've only finished out of the points, you know, one time, uh, I think this year, two times. So for, yeah. Okay. Well, they, they, yeah, three times that they finished out of the points. And then the last three races, they, uh, Alpines, uh, had Fernando Alonso in the, the top 10 and get points. So I, I think that seems another team to talk about with the, the midfield battle, I guess, but I mean, overall, I think it's just McLaren's battle to lose uh, as far as best of the rest, but, you know, Ferrari, they just have to continue to work on, uh, their team and, and have more races like this and not like what they had last week in France. And we're going to get to see it all kind of unfold again this weekend in Austria. Will this kind of mirror what we saw last week or will teams like Aston Martin or the Daniel Ricardo, you know, Pierre Gasly, what can he do in a recovery? Could George Russell finally get a point for, for Williams? Uh, he did score points, but of course I was in the Mercedes last November when he should have won that race at, at Bahrain, uh, the race that, of course, Sergio Perez ended up winning. We'll all see all that in regards to the Styrian Grand Prix, or I mean the Austrian Grand Prix. Uh, go back to NASCAR, though, uh, before we get into the roundup. Pocono Raceway, doubleheader uh, for the Cup Series. Uh, you had trucks on Saturday, Xfinity on Sunday. Alex Bowman was the uh, lucky recipient of uh, hard R going and cutting a left front tire somewhere along the line and slamming the wall, destroying his race car. Uh, third win of the year for Alex Bowman just announced recently an, an extension. Uh, Ally is going to stick around too. So Alex Bowman's very solid at Hendrick Motorsports. And he puts himself in the mix as a championship contender for sure now. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, he won, uh, what is it? He won uh, the Richmond race, but that was like a restart deal. Uh, Dover, Larson, everyone thought Larson was going to win that race, um, but he got a restart there too. This race, he, he's got fortune. I mean, the, the reality is there with Alex Bowman is a lot of his wins have been, you know, kind of fortunate in terms of timing or the way things happen, but you have to put yourself in a position and that's what he's doing this year. Um, is he as good as a five? No. Do I think that nine's going to show up when it counts? Yes. Just what is the 24 going to do? Who knows? But the 48 is a factor is a factor last year. Him winning this race is not shocking. 
Um, it's shocking how it happened, but it shouldn't be shocking. Um, Kyle Bush was stuck in fourth gear and uh, won on fuel mileage. So does old school Pocono actually winning on fuel mileage. Uh, Kyle Bush getting a win there. Um, when it comes to uh, the top five, was a Bubba Wallace gets a top five finish. So uh, one Michael Jeffrey Jordan was there to go and watch his car in person. And then uh, Mike Wheeler finally decided not to dick step himself for once because he's liable to do that at any moment. So the fact that he didn't do that was um, pretty amazing. And it's probably because he knew that if he did, then he was probably going to get fired. Um, get into the top 10 results on Saturday. Bowman, Kyle Busch, Byron, Hamlin, Blaney. And Kurt Busch, Logano, Harvick, Larson, Keselowski. Uh, the uh, race on Sunday, Kyle Busch, Larson, Keselowski, Harvick, Bubba Wallace, finished fifth, Blaney sixth, Bowman, Priest, Tyler Reddick, Joey Logano. Of course, fuel mileage. Uh, looks like a little bit more happened there in regards to Leaders, and it's kind of about the same. Um, and it's yeah, there's a bunch of wrecks there. There's a Cole Custer Newman on Saturday at hard wrecks. Uh, Chastain led early, but then had a wreck. Yeah, you had some other RG bargy go on there. On Sunday, it was a little more uh, straightforward, a couple of you know, Ricky Stenhouse lost a ton of points with the engine issue. And, um, you know, other than that, it's kind of a couple of mechanicals. Otherwise, it was a clean race. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the Cup Series race? Bowman and uh, Kyle Busch gets a second win of the year. So, the first time in a couple of years, he has uh, multiple wins in the Cup Series. Well, for uh, Saturday's race, Alex Bowman winning a shocker there at the end uh, with Kyle Larson getting a flat tire in a turn three of Pocono. And, and I, you know, I agree with you there. I mean, most of Alex Bowman's wins have kind of come as more of a circumstance benefit of circumstance there. I mean, this, this one was basically Kyle Larson's race to lose and then going into turn three and a uh, flat tire, which maybe that came from running over a piece of debris in the tunnel turn, maybe, you know, from going onto the the apron there and then back onto the racetrack, you know, very quickly. And in that turn as a lot of drivers try to, uh, you know, finesse the, uh, the line there, uh, going into that turn and coming out of it, um, you know, obviously something happened there and then they get a flat tire and then uh, Alex Bowman's able to take advantage of that and win the race. We saw him earlier this year get basically at Dover, uh, able to beat Kyle Larson off of pit road and then win that race, won Richmond off of a late race restart by basically going on four tires at the end versus uh, some of the other guys uh, who are ahead of him only taking two tires there. And uh, I think in, in the only race where he was really dominant was California in 2020. And then 2019, uh, he won his first race uh, by outdueling, uh, I, I don't know, I don't remember, I think it was Brad Kislowski at Chicagoland. But uh, I think uh, for, for this one, you know, he's able to 
benefit from that last lap pass. But I mean, he was up there. He put himself in position at the end of the race and had a battle there with Kyle Larson with about four laps to go. And then uh, Larson won that battle up until the point where he had that flat tire on the final lap. Uh, so for him, uh, solidifies his position in the chase or the playoffs. And of course, uh, uh, is able to continue to just focus on getting wins like this. And, and uh, I think uh, they'll, there'll be a, a team probably to watch in this playoff. But of course, we don't really know how good that team actually is because of the winds of circumstance that they've had this year. So we'll have to see for Alex, Alex Bowman. Then, of course, on Sunday, uh, the race was a lot more calmer and uh, a lot less uh, eventful and led to kind of the classic Pocono fuel mileage uh, race that you know, we've seen in years past, but haven't really seen. I mean, the last time it happened, Kyle Busch was the one that ran out of gas in 2015 in the second Pocono race. And then uh, yeah, that was when he was trying to make the or get back into the top 30 uh, after missing the first you know, half of the season there with his leg injuries. But in this race, you know, he was able to save just enough gas, uh, ran his teammate out of gas with Denny Hamlin, who decided to go just a little bit too early. And then Last lap, they had to come to pit road, and that's the third week in a row that they've uh, pitted basically on the last lap because of uh, damage or they had uh, to run out or they ran out of fuel. So uh, credit to the 18 team for getting the uh, fuel mileage correct and and having enough gas there at the end. And then, of course, second place uh, on Sunday was Kyle Larson. So you know, 18 ran out of gas there. He would have benefited if they didn't have the flat tire on Saturday. Uh, obviously we'd be, we'd still be talking about Kyle Larson going for five in a row there, but obviously it didn't happen. Uh, and then of course, you know, we talked about other guys like, uh, Harvick getting a top 10, uh, Keselowski got a top 10. And then, you know, of course, uh, Bubba Wallace getting their first top 10 of the year. And then not only a top 10, but a fifth place finish uh, first top 10 and top five for 2311, uh, finally, and this season and, you know, for the first time ever in, uh, their history as a team. So, you know, finally, did Bubba Wallace win the top 10? Yes, he did. So, uh, able to uh, get that down. And now, uh, I guess the expectations will continue to rise for that team as they uh, continue to grow throughout the rest of the season. Uh, uh, Kyle Bush now, you know, has two wins. So, I, I think for, I think if, if you at least have two wins, that, you know, solidifies your position in uh, the playoffs. And we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I think uh, for them, uh, they'll, I guess be able to take a little bit more risk, not have to worry about the point situation getting tight with you know, a lot of teams only having one win. So uh, we'll have to look out for that. And then I think one thing we had to talk about is the, the five team and, you know, they were there both days, uh, didn't get done, but they were still there. And I mean, they're still good. They just, you know, ran out of luck as far as when it's concerned. So I think um, next weekend still, I mean, even at, you know, they won at Sonoma and even here at road America, still have to consider them as a, a team to watch uh, at road America and then, you know, for the rest of the season until the playoffs. And they're only two points behind Denny Hamlin in the overall point standing. So that's 15 or 20 or however many playoff points on top of the, I think a trillion that he seems to have so far. So uh, that's something to watch now, uh, along with the fact that he, of course he's trying to get wins while Hamlin doesn't have one. Um, you know, you look at that, like Alex Bowman points wise, if it was strictly points, he would be 14th in points. Um, and so the wins are a big deal for him. Uh, Kyle Busch is the only 
driver right now with two wins, and then everybody else beyond him has one win or none. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Kurt Busch is three points out of Chris Busher in regards to the cutoff situation. Uh, Suarez and Suarez, Stenhouse, and Bubba Wallace are all within six points of each other. So that's what we'll see. I mean, granted, with however many races left, we got 19, you got races in, so you have seven to go. Uh, you would assume, as things stand, that after Chris Busher, if you're trying to make this playoff, you're going to have to win. Uh, but we will see what happens in regards to that uh, when it, for the Cup Series as they go to Road America for the first time ever. Um, the Xfinity Series ran on Sunday afternoon before, or morning in the afternoon before the uh, second Cup race, and it was uh, Austin Sindrick doing Austin Sindrick things and winning yet another Xfinity race, leading uh, leading the most laps um, after Harrison Burton led 11 or 21 laps and got into uh, into an accident uh, after the uh, Justin Haley wreck uh, that uh, was caused by Sam Mayer and uh, which saw Justin Haley miss the cup race because of the severity of the crash and basically having being his breath being knocked out or wind taken out, whatever. And uh, I mean, it wasn't really all that. I don't, I mean, they'll say it was intriguing because Ty Gibbs was catching him and then he probably whined about finishing second again, like he whined in the Arca race because he's a pussy. Uh, Allgaier third, Gagston fourth, Almendinger fifth, Hemrick sixth, Rockshot Jones seventh, Jeb Burton eighth. Uh, another top ten for Josh Berry in the thirty-one car for Jordan Anderson. Uh, this week, Kaz uh, Grollo will be in that car, and then uh, Myatt Snyder in tenth. So, yeah, I mean, Cindric is uh, doing what he. Always seems to do. He's got over a hundred point lead overall points. He's got fourteen more playoff points than anybody else because he has double the wins, more double the stage win. I mean, it's it, it, at some point you just have to say it's like, yeah, we get it. We know you're going to be driving the two car next year, but uh, you probably uh, lay off a little bit. But I don't think he's going to stop. I mean, I don't think Cindric is going to stop racing like this uh, until the end of the season. And I, yeah, I think being a Penske driver is certainly uh, has to hold them up to the standard of being a Penske driver. So, you know, there are four wins uh, this year, and I think, you know, they're going to continue to have races like this. So they're on track to repeat as Xfinity champions. So though nothing's guaranteed, I mean, at least in my mind, I think they could easily repeat and, Cindric uh, is going to uh, add his name to the list, uh, the short list of uh, names in Xfinity who won two years in a row and then went up to Cup. You know, Dale Jr., Martin Truex, and then uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. There, aka Richard. So, uh, you know, with uh, with that, I mean, it looks like. 
this could happen, but you'll have to see. I mean, now he's got his fourth win and it was pretty dominant for the most part in this race. And then you had a little bit of a a charge from Ty Gibbs there at the end, but uh, I mean, that's, you know, they were able to run all the laps uh, and not have a a green white checker there at the end. Maybe if that happened, maybe Ty Gibbs would have won, but you know, or if they had a couple more laps, maybe Ty Gibbs would have won, but I mean, for the most part, uh, Cindric won this race and then or dominated this race. And then, you know, of course we have to talk about Justin Haley, uh, taking some huge shots there in the backstretch. And then also, uh, Ryan Vargas was involved in, in that one getting collected at, towards the end of that wreck. And, you know, you kind of feel bad for a guy like that who's trying to make it. And, you know, had his uh, car chief who recently passed away. And that was, I guess, like the last car that that team worked on. And so definitely, uh, kind of feel bad for that, for that team and for, uh, Vargas, but, uh, especially because they're one of the smaller teams they're you know just trying to grind trying to make it in this sport and and they're you know have, having an accident like that that uh takes damage and you know they have to go out and repair that car and put it back together for the next race so uh definitely unfortunate for them but for the most part it was uh just uh austin citric stay here at uh, pocono and xfinity yeah and it's we'll we'll see it's probably gonna be uh battle between uh Cindric versus AJ Allmendinger as we get into Road America unlike the cup series of course the Xfinity series has been racing at Road America for many years uh Allgaier of course has won there too so we'll see uh Kevin Harvick will be in the race when uh we dumb and or we go and preview that here uh shortly in regards to the trucks, John Hunter Nemechek. Um, yeah, that's uh, uh, John Hunter Nemechek. Austin Hill clinched a playoff spot based on points uh, with his fifth place finish. No, okay. So, um, yeah, John Hunter beat Kyle Bush. So that's uh, that's, I guess, different. He beat his boss, but then when you consider that's what Kyle Busch hired him for, it really isn't all that shocking. I guess it's a case of, uh, I mean, it used to be a thing where in the full season point standing, you'd say, okay, when is he going to lock up his championship? It's the same thing as with Sindrick. The, the, the playoff format works for what's going on in both Xfinity and Trucks. Do I really think it's going to change the overall result? No. Um, in the Cup Series, I have way too many cars, but the fact of the matter is there's somewhat competitive people going back a few places behind just, you know, the two guys that are the highest point earners so far this year. And the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series really is straightforward. If, if you tell me that we're halfway through this year overall and that, Austin Sindrick is not in the top four, more like top two at the end of the season. And that's the same for the John Hunter. I'll be shocked. There would have to be a miracle uh, because the way that John Hunter and Emichek has run all year, won the second stage, only led 12 laps, but, you know, he, won, he led the one that counted. You know, Kyle Busch going and getting a second place finish, leading the most laps. It's just continues the uh, domination of uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports this year. Uh, Sheldon Creed, Tyler Ankrum, Austin Hill, the top five. 
Kraft and Gill and Zane Smith, Ryan Priest in a second consecutive race for David Gillen Racing and Derek Krause, your top 10. Josh Berry finished 11th, driving the uh, Rackley Roofing number 25 Chevy. So credit to him on that. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't, I, I really don't know. I mean, Jack Wood, uh, that's a great name. Uh, went and missed a shift and got hooked sideways and got in a Johnny Sauter who I think said about 86 F-bombs probably after that. Uh, yeah, I mean, let me go to the point standings before I go and throw to you, Josh, in regards to this. It's the point standings as of now, he's got an 86-point lead over Ben Rhodes, and he's got a 23-point lead in playoff points austin hill right now is uh third in overall point standings but based on uh the with the drivers that have won already uh nemechek Rhodes, uh, todd gill and sheldon creed would be ahead of austin hill um also zane smith would be but there's only a couple of races to go before the the playoffs start. So Austin Hills actually locked himself into the playoffs. So that means there's what is what amounts to what five of the ten drivers I'll make the playoff are already in. Uh Zane Smith more than likely when they go to Knoxville, uh they'll be able to get themselves in pretty solid. Um and then it'll go from there. You have Crafton Friesen, Osavar, and then Chandler Smith is the cutoff right now who has a 31-point lead over uh, Johnny Sauter, 33-point lead on Tyler Ankrum. So, I mean, it's this... I mean, you wonder with John Hunter what the long-term game plan is. Is he going to go up to the Xfinity Series next year? What are they going to do with 23-11? Is that an option? I mean, I don't think it is. Probably Kurt Busch, as we said earlier. But you said, I said, whatever. But what is the long-term goal for John Hunter Nemechek? Yeah, I think he wants the hardware. Join his dad as a NASCAR champion. But, you know, he's is he willing to play the long game? Can he play the long game in some or another get a better ride out of it. Maybe he's holding out for track house. I don't know. Like what, what are at this point? It's like, what are the options for John Hunter as he keeps on going and dominating this truck series season? Well, I think for John Hunter, I mean, first of all, with, with this win, I mean, this is the third time that he's beaten Kyle Busch. So it shows how good of a driver he is. shows how good of a team that the number four team is in the truck series. Uh, And it also with Kyle Busch, Finishing second there in that race, uh, it does show how how well uh, the KVM team is above uh, the rest of the field, and and shows the lack of depth in the series overall compared uh, to Xfinity and compared to the Cup series. And you talk about Xfinity and Truck being a little bit more straightforward, and who's the best team? Well, I mean, there's a lot of variance in uh, the Cup series, and uh, because it's, uh, I guess a little bit more competitive over there and, and, uh, not is quite the same in Xfinity and then truck is, uh, way more straightforward than both. But then I think, uh, also to talk about John Hunter Nemechek, I think with his, uh, w- with his dominance this year, I think 
You're right. He is playing the long game eventually. I mean, I think uh, he'll probably win this championship as well. But I think uh, for him, maybe Xfinity, finding a Joe Gibbs ride in Xfinity or uh, another Toyota affiliated ride or whoever's uh, available that's competitive in that car. Maybe a seat at JRM opens or something like that, and he decides to go and take a ride over there. Uh, I don't think he's really tied to any manufacturer, it seems like. I mean, he'll just drive for whoever's the best car uh, in the series. He does have connections to GMS you know, formerly raced uh, there a few years ago in, in the Xfinity series. And then I think uh, with uh, the cup series, maybe, maybe he's an option for, uh, you know, GMS decides to go back to the cup series or go up to the cup series. Uh, they decide to hire him as one of the drivers or, or be the driver to drive for that team. Maybe uh, JRM decides to hire him if they go up to the cup series. So there's a lot of options, but uh, I think the future is still a little bit, uh, unclear as far as where he could land uh, in there. But I think the goal for him, I mean, I think that's what his goal is ultimately is to get his way back up to the cup series and, and, and parlay that into a quality ride uh, there by dominating in a lower series, like the truck series. It's something to see as we go, they're going to have not, there aren't going to be a whole lot of uh, races here. Um, in the next few weeks for the truck series are going to run next week at Knoxville for the first time ever. And uh, their one dirt race of the year or second dirt race of the year. Sorry, because uh, they're in Bristol and then they'll have a month off, I believe. And they'll run at Watkins Glen for the first time in a long time. And that'll be the cutoff before the uh, playoffs start. So uh, the gaps of time there between these races, so plenty of time for some of these teams kind of build up their stuff as they get into the stretch run of the year. We'll go to the roundup uh, this week, uh, which involves, we'll get into the MotoGP and Moto2 situation. And we had... Fabio Quattararo um, in getting a win there and uh, the, you know, Vinales, Maverick Vinales um, going and leaving uh, Yamaha for the 2022 uh, season, uh, which means he's, he's a free agent, opens up a ride at the main Yamaha team. Uh, which is a big deal, and there you don't know who is going to be going there. Um, Valentino Rossi, of course, is struggling and basically is becoming irrelevant. So it's um, and it looks so. Like, yeah, the Vinales move would be to go um, to go and ride for Aprilia, which would be interesting. Um, you know, like the. They tell them move crew chief as for extra. Okay. Ah, so then it's a fracture. Look at the second thing. Yeah, so that would be, um, yeah, to bring up Fair Franco Morbidelli. This is like me, Petronas need to fine tuners. Yeah, that, that would be an interesting deal because that would mean that, uh, the Patronus SRT team would probably have to either recruit 
one of the riders that are currently in MotoGP, or they'd have two riders from uh, the uh, Moto2 championship, possibly Garrett Gerloff goes and moves over um, after uh, his uh, fill-in opportunity um, this past weekend um, to replace Franco Morbidelli itself. And he rode for Valentino Rossi, um, 17 and 2 year old East Becchiamo. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, it's it could be an option. It would be cool. It would be nice to see an American on the grid. Um, and that that would be, um, yeah, girl, my girl is at the works. Uh, reported GRT, so there's been like the SRT and the rest of Yeah. I think both of them, it sounds like what it would be. Rasagulu or Gerloff or both probably go there. Um, that would be something to see. I mean, after all these years with Vinales, everything's like imploding, but then it doesn't really matter because Maverick Vinales is way too inconsistent. Um, yeah, he got a second place finish behind Fabio Quattararo. Quattararo is leading the world championship. Joanne Mears, third, the defending world champion. Zarco, fourth. Oliveira, fifth. Peko Bagnaya, sixth. Mark Marquez, seventh, after a couple of crashes this past weekend. Alex Spargo, eighth. Takanakagami, ninth. And Polo Spargo, tenth. Yeah, girl off you said 17th. He was, what is it, 21 seconds away from a uh, possible point in uh, his, what, second race in the MotoGP World Championship in terms of the Moto2 race. Uh, Fernandez for KTM role, Fernandez, uh, Adjo KTM over... Um, over Remy Gardner. So by 1.06 seconds and Augusto Fernandez by 1.265 seconds. And Sam, so four riders within less than two seconds. Sam Lowe's fourth. Marco Basecki fifth. In regards to, yeah, Cameron Bobier fell one position shy of a point. And uh, Joe Roberts had... Uh, had a retirement seven laps into the race, a mechanical something, everybody else behind or around him that fell up or accident. So uh, Roberts loses ground in regards to the standings there. Gardner leads by 31 points over Raul Fernandez. Basecki is third. Roberts falls to 10th in points. He's now in a three-way tie for what is eighth. At 50 points total with Fernandez and Vieje. Aaron Kinnett is seven, five points out of them. Ayagura, the Japanese riders, one point behind that three-way tie there. So um, Bobier is 15 in points, four points behind Tony Arbolino. You just go back there and give you the standings on the MotoGP. Um... Quattararo is up by 34 on Zarco. 
Paco Bagnaia is third, Mir fourth, Jack Miller fifth, Bagnaia, Mir, and Miller only separated by nine points. Vinales is sixth. He's 14 points out of third. Then there's a gap to Miguel Oliveira of 10 points, and then after that, a even bigger one. Eshpar, Alex Espargo, Brad Binder, Mark Marquez, your top 10. Uh, let's see here. We can go from that. And W Series was at Austria last week for their first race in a couple of years. Um, that was a um, interesting one, which saw Alice Powell go and get another win in the uh, W Series. And they have a new format with uh, how they're going to run like teams, uh, two car teams instead of them just being like general cars. Alice Powell over Sarah Moore. Fabian Woldwin was third. Dylan Garcia fourth. Mickey Koyama was fifth. Defending uh, champion Jamie Chadwick had a spin but came back to finish sixth. What is it? Ayla Agron was her 10th. Betske Visser, 12th. Saber Cook finished 14th. Uh, Abby Eaton was 15th. Hawkins 16th. Vicky Perea was the last car that actually finished. She was three laps down. Top 10 gets points there. So Ayla Agron was the last person to get points. They'll be racing again this weekend at of Austria before they then go to Silverstone and Hungary, Budapest, in the month of July. Then they'll run Spa and Zandvoort before finishing their year at Coda and the and Grand Prix of the Mexican Grand Prix and Hermanos Rodriguez circuit. Uh, the six hours at the Glen. When it was last week, Mazda came through with fuel mileage to go and win the uh, six hours at the Glen uh, for a second year in a row. Uh, they won by less than a second over Dane Cameron and Olivier Pla in the uh, number 60 Meyer Shank car. Ricky Taylor, Philippe Albuquerque, and Alexander Rossi rounded out the podium. So Acura's finished second and third. The Cadillacs uh, finished behind them, the 31, 48, 01, and the five car were the uh, rounded out everybody. So all those cars, the whole entire prototype class was within a lap. Then you have the LMP2 category, which saw the number 11, the Thomas Steven, Tristan Nunez, Thomas Merrill, win an LMP2 over the 52 PR1 Matheson car with Ben Keating, Mikkel Jensen, Scott Huffaker. Uh, the GTLM was won by Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor over the uh, BMWs of uh, the 24 and 25 BMWs in uh, for Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, Gar Robinson, Felipe Fraga, Scott Andrews, and the 74 Ranch Resort, LMP3, ended up getting the victory over John Bennett, George Kurtz, and Colin Brown um, by what is it, two seconds or so. 
then the Jim Cox, Dylan Murray, and Jurian Bleakham Olin Carr finished fourth. And then you have GTD, which Bill Oberlin adds to his illustrious uh, resume with another endurance win over with uh, yeah, with Bobby Full and Aiden Reed in the Turner Motorsport BMW over Brian Sellers, Madison Snow, and Corey Lewis in the Paul Miller Racing Acura, and then Roman DeAngelis, Ross Gunn, and Ian James in the Harder Racing Aston Martin. They'll be racing the short, they'll be racing a two-hour, 45-minute race at Watkins Glen this weekend. Then their next race will be Lime Rock in the month of July before they take a take a break for and uh, go to Road America for Road America 500, and then another gap till Laguna Sega. F3 at Austria this weekend, and, uh, you know, in regards to that championship, there's been a lot of intrigue, a lot of competitiveness, a lot of American drivers in that series. So. It'll be um, interesting to see how they respond. And going into the points, Dennis Hauger has a six-point lead over Victor Martins, 10-point lead over Jack Dewan, and near uh, 19 points over Clement Novalak, who scored in every race this year. Martins has scored in every race this year. Um, Ollie Caldwell is fifth. Logan Sargent is ninth best American driver. He's at 18 points. He's 15 points behind Frederick Vesti. Uh, Juan Manuel Correa is 15th. He has eight points. You have Kalen Frederick, and then there's one other uh, driver that is an American driver there. But that's that. They'll be racing at Austria this weekend. Going to the World Superbikes at Donington Park, which um, Garrett Gerloff, of course, will be uh, returning to to um, try and uh, get that World Championship to go and move over to the MotoGP World Championship. But it's something we will see in regards to their... Um, situation Ray 20 point lead over Rasgulu. Um, third is Scott Redding. Then you have Alex Lowe's and Michael Ruben Rinaldi in fourth and fifth. Uh, there are six points between them. Gerloff is sixth, uh, which uh, he's the 22 23 points behind uh, uh, Michael Ruben Rinaldi as of now. Trying to make the most of the season. Um, that's what they're doing there, Garrett Gerloff, uh, to kind of make sure things will turn around. And then uh, British Touring Cars were at Snetterton last week. Uh, Colin Turkington beat Tom Ingram and Rory Butcher in race one uh, with Stephen Jelly, Ollie Jackson in top five. And Ash Sutton, Colin Turkington, Ollie Jackson finished on the podium in race two with Tom Ingram, Rory Butcher, 
Tom Holofan, Stephen Jelly, Adam Morgan, Jack Goff, and Aiden Moffitt in the top 10. Then Tom Ingram, Ash Sutton, Gordon Shannon make up the podium in race three. But Josh Cook, Stephen Jelly, Rory Butcher, Colin Turkington, Adam Morgan, Jack Goff, and Daniel Rowbottom were your top 10. And in in the point standings, Ash Sutton has a three-point lead over Tom Ingram. Then big gap to Josh Cook, which is 26 points. And then from there, it's even bigger between Turkington, Hill, and Olafin. Five points between them. So with all that done, we'll get to Formula One, the Australian, or I mean Australian, Austrian Grand Prix. Um, I'll throw to you, Josh. Who do you look for uh, that could win this deal versus who could be a um, dark horse candidate for say, a podium or a top six finish, something like that? Well, I mean, I think it's obvious to uh, look for the home team in Red Bull and their best driver with Max Verstappen to go out and basically go back to back here in Austria. Uh, and I, I think it's pretty clear with the way that they're performing right now that uh, they should be the team to beat and should be the team to win. I mean, maybe we might see something from Sergio Perez possibly uh, with that team, but maybe he can get a podium this time around uh, last week, finishing fourth and just missing the podium. So uh, for, uh, for that team, I look for them to uh, be the team to beat uh, this weekend. Then uh, I mean, maybe uh, with Lewis Hamilton and uh, Valtteri Botas, uh, look for them to get onto the podium. Uh, I think for, uh, I guess a, a wild card team, the uh, underdog team to look out for in the midfield, something like that. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Charles Leclerc in uh, Ferrari. I mean, I think with the performance that they, they put on this weekend and being able to get back into the points, albeit they were a lap down, uh, certainly uh, brings a lot of confidence for that team uh, after what they had the previous week. So I think with uh, basically having the same race again, uh, expect, uh, to repeat the result here at Austria again. So I think, uh, with that, uh, we expect them to, and Sergio or, uh, uh, not Sergio Perez, but, uh, Carlos science to be able to, uh, both get into the points, uh, this weekend here at Austria. Yeah. I, I mean, I, we mentioned it earlier. Uh, status quo is probably what it's going to be uh, you know red bull wins maybe they don't win by as much of a you know gap but they'll win again It'd be nice to see lewis actually battle him i think their eggs are more in the basket of the british grand prix upcoming and the sprint race format qualifying too to see if they can go and get around that instead of being uh beaten on sheer pay uh, one lap pace. I I am intrigued with what's going to happen with him. I'm also intrigued about what could happen possibly with George Russell, since uh, he ran so well last week at Austria, not only in practice but in qualifying, and uh, had an opportunity possibly score points there. Like to see Williams score points again. Um, George Russell kind of leave the team because more than likely that's what's going to happen on a good note. Um, well, Nicholas Latifi just uh, wastes his time there. 
the uh, NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series will be at Road America. Uh, Cup Series, of course, for the first time ever. Uh, it's going to be, I think, we'll start with uh, Xfinity, actually. And, I mean, I think I mentioned it earlier. Uh, it'll be, what is it, the Henry 180. Um, you'll have 43 cars for, I think, what, 40 spots or 38 or whatever it is. Um Kaz Grawler will be in this field. The oh look, Sebastian's a crew chief on that 42 MBM car. Um Josh Balicki randomly in the 07. Andy Lally will be in the five. Uh you have the six car will have Spencer Pump Alley. Um trying to see who else there. I mean have uh, the regular suspects, Sindrick and Almendinger, in regards to road courses. You know, Grala and the Jordan Anderson 31. Uh, you know, Kyle Bush in the 54. So I guess, um, you know, and Ty Gibbs is in the 81. Um, it says Monster Energy, but he hasn't had Monster Energy in this car in a while. So I don't know why that. And Kevin Harvick will be in a. B.J. McLeod, 99. Uh, I would assume it'll be an old Chase Briscoe car. So two of the best cup drivers there are in Bush and, and Harvick. Does it basically start and end with them, or are we looking at the Xfinity road racing regulars uh, for this weekend? I think for, for this one, it's a, a tough decision, I think, with Harvick being fairly good on road courses, but this his first time out there, and also Kyle Busch, their first time out here racing at Road America. But of course, a lot to learn in practice, and they've probably done a lot of practice on the uh, the sim, uh, you know, on their own and with the team. So I think uh, they've probably got a lot of uh, homework that they've done already. And then of course, uh, Almendinger and then uh, Austin Sindrick the two best road course racers right now in Xfinity. And then, you know, I have to throw in Justin Algar, who's had history here in the past with uh, previous wins in, in Xfinity here at Road America. It's a very tough uh, pick here, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with uh, Kevin Harvick here. I think uh, they figured out a way to get it done uh, in the 99 car with the uh, BJ McLeod would be one of the first ones ever for that team or the first one ever in the Xfinity series for uh, uh, that team. And I think uh, Harvick's pretty good at this could be pretty good. At this track. I mean, I think he's a fairly solid road course racer. Kyle Busch could be there at the end too, but I, I think overall uh, Harvick gets it done over, you know, the Xfinity regulars like Almendinger, like Austin Sindrick, who've been to this track several times and uh, really know their way around this place. I think cup guys get it done this weekend. Yeah. I'll just go with Kyle Busch. Just, uh, I figured it'll be a cup guy and you picked Harvick. So I'll pick Kyle Busch. If you had picked <laughs> Kyle Busch, I would pick Kevin Harvick. Cause last time that 99 car ran with a cup guy um, with the Stuart Haas equipment or whatever, Briscoe had a chance to win that race until the last pit stop and they made the wrong adjustment and put him in a position where he was able to be caught by um, trust fund baby Gibbs. So I'll pick Kyle Busch for, I think, was a win number 101. I think in a wild card type 
uh, driver for the Xfinity Series race. I think, um, I mean, it's not really a wild card based on his talent and ability, but, you know, Jordan Anderson's team is not a very experienced team. They haven't had that many races so far this year, of course, because of the stupidity of the qualifying system they have or lack thereof. Um, That's one that I would look at as kind of a wild card is Kaz Grala in the Jordan Anderson 31 to possibly go and stand out here this coming weekend. Uh, From there, we go to your sim segment, Josh. What do we... uh, We forgot about Cup. Oh, yeah, sorry. Jeez. I was about to go and pass the Cup series, yeah. Uh, The jockey made in America 250 on July the 4th. Independence Day, 1776. We are the champs. Oh, Richard. Um, <laughs> uh, what is it? So Ryan Eversley will be making his Cup Series debut. Uh, you'll have AJ Allmendinger running. Austin Sindrick. You know, Justin Neal will be back in the 77. Ty Dillon will be running the 96. Kyle Tilley in 78. Um, what's it called here? Yeah, so it'll be a full 40 car field. Um, I'll start this one and I will pick, I will pick that true X kid from me out of New Jersey. Um, I'm not picking a Hendrick car probably at my peril, but I figure true X needs to turn things around. Wouldn't be a bad place to do it. Um, he he needs a little bit of positive momentum going on as they get towards the playoff. And it would be a good start to that in uh, in regards to a dark horse candidate. You know, we've been talking about this team for a while uh, during this episode, so... I'm going to pick the 99. I'm going to pick Daniel Suarez um, as a possibility to get their first, his first career win and their first career win as an organization. Well, I, I think for me in this race, it's a, a easy decision, relatively speaking. I mean, I think this team, they they won at Sonoma and uh, they were running top 10, top five at uh, Coda, so uh, and and they ran pretty well at Daytona Road Course. So I'm going to go with Kyle Larson winning this race here at Road America. Start up on another win streak for him. Uh, I think uh, you know they'll they'll be able to being a four mile racetrack. They'll uh, have plenty of distance between themselves and whoever's end up in second. Uh, I think uh, for a wild card, you know I'm going to go with uh, Bubba Wallace. Why not? I think you know at Coda he had a chance uh, to be in the top 10, uh, early on, but then caught, uh, caught up in that wreck with, uh, Truex there, uh, during that race. So, uh, they have a top 10 now, so let's pick up the positive momentum on that and, uh, maybe get a top 10 or top 15 finish there and, uh, get that race at road America. So, uh, should be an interesting race. Uh, should be at Daytona. Honestly, it's July 4th. It's tradition. Uh, NASCAR should never left uh, Daytona. I mean, if anything, put it back in the daytime, make it more interesting instead of uh, 
the Florida thunderstorms that happened in the afternoon that I've been getting the last couple of weeks here, uh, here in Florida. And, you know, uh, takes away a opportunity for me to go to the races on July the 4th, uh, you know, stepping on tradition again and, and shouldn't be like that. You know, That's always, NASCAR for yeah, you. Sh- yeah. should be on Daytona. They, you know, they don't, uh, don't respect their own history. So, you know, should it should be a Daytona, uh, 10 AM July 4th or, you know, the Saturday of uh, July 4th weekend uh, in Daytona for uh, the Cup Series and, and the Xfinity Series as well. Um, you know, taking your race away from Florida, you know, not respecting the people here in Florida, I guess, uh, and the history of the sport. But, you know, that's NASCAR for you. And they're, now they're racing in Wisconsin, of all places, on July 4th. It's not a bad place to be. Road America is a good track, but Daytona, uh, that's in, you know, it's restrictor plate racing, but that's uh, where they should be on July 4th. Yeah, well, that was the thing we talked about this time last year when they were racing at Indy, and uh, they were running a road course race on the Saturday with a doubleheader with the IndyCar Series and the Xfinity Series, and then they were running what has now ended up being the last Brickyard 400 uh, on the Sunday. I think Harvick became a three-time winner of the Brickyard 400, too, in the process, so... uh, Going into the record books there, being another Rick Mears guy to go and win three. Uh, now that won't be a, a oval race anymore either, so they just throw that tradition out. I mean, even though stock cars at Indy have not been palatable since 2008, but even or 2007 or whatever the fuck year it was. A two, I think it was 2008, whatever, that was the blowout, they were blowing out tires or whatever every five laps or some shit. Um, it's the same deal here, you know, like it's road America, one of the greatest road courses in the world. One of the greatest tracks and motorsport tracks that exist. But, um, I agree with Josh, uh, you know, July the 4th was Daytona run the Coke zero 400 there, destroy your equipment, get, get all those super speedway cars destroyed in July. And, uh, you know, if you still want to gamble or do whatever, it's fine. Now you just basically have made the last race before the playoffs start into a lottery. And it's part of the reason why Michael McDowell ran over Brad Keselowski to win the 500 because it's a lottery. And, uh, you know, they'll say there's talent involved in super speedway racing, but there really, it, it really isn't. It's more about luck, at least at the road course race. In this situation, you have to have put everything together to possibly go and get that win. Uh, so we'll see about what happens there and we'll discuss it here next week. Uh, let us know, uh, in regards to your, Sim exploits, Josh. What do we need to know about what you've been doing and what you're going to be doing here um, as the days and weeks go by? Well, I'll start off with uh, what's going on right now. Uh, uh, actually, I mean, I'm obviously not in this race because we're recording this deal right now, but got two laps to go right now in the uh, Firecracker 400 over on iRacing. Uh, Dale Jr. is in 15th. Uh, uh, I don't know who's leading but uh, it's been a pretty entertaining race uh, uh, watching that stream and uh, everybody's getting loose and it looks like the leader is about to crash here into turn one on the restart. So uh, pretty interesting and everybody's like trying to scramble and drive away and, and everything. It's uh, been uh, 
interesting race to follow. I mean, you seeing guys uh, get loose off of turn two, get loose off of uh, turn four on the uh, coming to the start finish line. And, and uh, it's been fairly interesting to watch with uh, the way that they're having to fight the handling, you know, fight the tire where uh, 30 laps in a run. It's like these guys are really scrambled uh, throughout the, um, the field and, you know, you see comers and goers, you see guys trying to save their tires for the end. And, uh, it's been a pretty exciting race to watch. I mean, a lot of crashes and stuff, but definitely, uh, something I think going forward, I think in the future, we're going to try to try to put an entry in every year. Uh, it's, I think, uh, definitely uh, for iRacing for oval racing on iRacing. I think it's the, one of the more mar- marquee non, uh, iRacing officiated events. I mean, obviously it's a privately, uh, officiated event through the eRacer GG group. So definitely going to uh, try again next year. You know, of course, uh, Open Wheels 500 later in the fall, it's going to be another event to look out for uh, here and uh, on iRacing. And then uh, I I haven't really been uh, on it lately, uh, just been busy with other stuff. You know, uh, sometimes that's, that's how it goes. But I did visit a friend's house over the weekend, and then we got into uh, Gran Turismo and was able to do some VR. He's got a VR headset on PlayStation and uh, was able to... Uh, run uh, Laguna Seca in VR with a, a Mercedes uh, GT3 car. So uh, that was pretty interesting. And uh, it was a definitely interesting view doing it from straight from the point of view of the driver. And uh, I mean, it was pretty, pretty uh, easy for me to get around. I mean, I, not really. I mean, they, they had the driving assist on, then I forgot to change all that stuff. So there's a little bit of help from the computer, but I mean, my friend was with me. He's like, yeah, I can tell you uh, have a lot of practice with racing games. So, you know, that's how uh, I guess um, used to it now. So definitely uh, something to look out for, maybe try to get a VR thing later on or something like that. Uh, more of a monitor setup guy or TV, but maybe that's something I'll look into, but yeah, uh, well, keep it going with um, maybe sometime next week with, uh, you know, IndyCar stuff and NASCAR 87, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. We'll go and check all that out uh, on your stream uh, on Twitch and also on iRacing. I wish I had a rig. It's one thing I'm hoping with this new gig and getting some stuff together. Hopefully one of these days I'll get a rig. So I can go out there and humiliate myself behind the wheel. But whatever. It'll be fine. I'll be better than uh, Quinn Huff. Um, I'll put my bar low. I'll, as long as I'm better than Quinn Huff and Egghead, I think, then that's that's good enough for me. Uh, but I'll at least be able to drive fast and I'll drive all these circuits. Uh, that's the end of uh, tonight's Rift Strip podcast episode 67 of the gsp uh where can we find uh find you josh in regards to your social media and your twitch handle and a whole bit yeah i mean i was going to mention that in the previous uh part but uh, i think with with uh iRacing and any other video gaming I'm doing and I was always uh, follow Twitch TV uh, slash UCLR2 and you know watch watch on there when I'll, I'll try to give out notification when I go live and all that stuff and then you can go there and watch uh, my racing or other gaming that I decided to do then uh, for social media I mean I'm always active on Twitter then you can follow me on there at uh, uh, JP Huffine on there and then uh, we you know always uh, have discussion on there and talk about uh, 
things that are happening during the races and talk about other things that have happened and stuff and then we can discuss and have discourse on there. So that's where you can follow me. And you can follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You could follow the show at Grip Strip Pod on Twitter. And uh, you can hear the Grip Strip Podcast on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, um, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, you can also see the Grip Strip Podcast um, uh, links on. Uh, philipgmatthew.com I'll talk about the racing um, on my Twitter I'll be on the Grid Talk podcast more than likely for Sunday's uh, post-race edition after the Austrian Grand Prix to live stream on the F1 Chronicle Facebook and also on YouTube uh, which uh, with F1 Chronicle or F1 Grid Talk, you can go and look it up. There's a whole backlog of episodes for them. So if you want to go and live stream and say whatever awful things to me instead of saying it to somebody else like certain people seem to do, that's fine. I can take it. Um, I can back it up too. So F you. Um, with that, uh, thanks, Josh, as always. Uh, for being the loyal sidekick and uh, providing great insight uh, across everything we went over today, especially with the charter deal and um, you know the the Formula One and with um, wait a minute, I'm sure I'm thinking about one thing. Did we we I I'm, I'm we're gonna go and get a we're gonna do a rewind before we leave because. I'm I'm going through this in my head. IndyCar. We forgot about IndyCar. <laughs> so I oh. just remembered that. I just remembered that. So the fact of the matter is, we're not going to end this show. We're going to get IndyCar in, and then we're going to end the show. So, um, yeah, IndyCar Mid Ohio. It's going to be 26 car field. Uh, as I mentioned, Ryan Norman will be making his IndyCar series debut at uh, Mid-Ohio. And, uh, I mean, you're going to have Renus VK returning, Felix Rosenquist returning. Uh, that's And there's going to be a one-month gap between this race and the next race, since the next race will be after the Olympics. Uh, you'll have... I mean, where the heck is they don't even have probably have to go on racer.com uh that would have been brutal to leave that out but we caught ourselves i was thinking about it for a second there and then uh you got of course there's no indycar league how the hell do you you're you're, you're running a race and you don't even have an entry list somewhere like you can't even get an entry list on the freaking website like that's such a crap website honest to god the indycar website is not good because yeah, it can't, sucks it's not a <laughs> like it's part of the reason why you wonder why nobody freaking follows it well yeah because your website sucks um um yeah i mean i it, scott dixon is right now third in points he's uh what is it 49 
He's 53 points behind teammate Alex Pillow. Uh, Pato Award is second in points. He's 28 points behind Pillow. Two wins for each of those drivers. Dixon has won. Uh, the Penske Gars have not won a race so far this year. Renus VK returns. He has a win. Colton Nerd has a win. Erickson has a win. Green Rehaul. Uh, the hometown hero, or at least uh, what well, initially grew up, he grew up in Ohio. His family has connections there, similar to like Sindrick, of course, because his grandfather is uh, the late Jim Truman. Uh, one of his grandfathers, late Jim Truman. So uh, it, there's a thing with him. Graham Ray Hall, of course, has won there before. Uh, who do you, I think, I mean, we start with the top three. I think one of those three guys is the most likely to win, but I'll let you go first and then I'll go make my picks in regards to who I think will um, win or who could be a wild card pick uh, this weekend. Uh, I'm going to pick Scott Dixon here for the winner here at Road or uh, Mid Ohio. I think uh, it's, overdue a little bit for Scott Dixon to win a race. I feel like this is uh, the time where Scott Dixon starts to go out and win races here in IndyCar. And this definitely has his name on it uh, to win. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how he's able to race and, and uh, how he's able to execute or how the team's able to execute strategy. Um, if they uh, you know decide to, go along on fuel or something like that. If they've got enough pace or if they decide to do some kind of undercut, I'd like to see what happens there. And then, you know, also let's talk about his teammate, uh, Jimmy Johnson uh, has been not really, I wouldn't say struggling, but he's definitely been learning. Well, maybe this time he'll actually get a, a lead lap finish and um, maybe it'll be the last car in the lead lap, but nonetheless still finish on the lead lap. So uh, that would be a pretty good achievement for that team, I think, and uh, where he's at. So maybe, maybe that happens this weekend. I'll, I'll predict it. It'd be nice for Jimmy Johnson to actually finish on lead lap and not spin out. Uh, it'll be a tough, it's a tough test because mid-Ohio, whether it's in a stock car or an Indy car, it's a very difficult racetrack. So we'll find out. We'll see what happens with that. It's only uh, two 45-minute practice sessions, albeit that's what it is. Uh, usually one 45-minute session on Friday afternoon. Then Saturday morning before they do the qualifications uh, at 12 noon and go until just after one. They'll have a 30 minute final practice on uh, Saturday before they race on Sunday on July the 4th as a precursor to the Road America Cup race. <laughs> Uh, for me, you know, I, I was thinking Scott Dixon, but I, I think I'm going to go with uh, Pato Award. He had uh, a little bit of struggle there last race, and I think he will uh, at uh, Rural America and um, finishing ninth. I think he will come back and he'll get his third win of uh, 2021 at Mid-Ohio in regards to a uh, wild card uh, selection. 
yeah, this is not uh, trying to think of somebody that's outside of the top, whatever, 10 in points, and so that it doesn't seem as uh, over the top in regards to uh, session reports. <laughs> Yes, winners, it's whatever. Yes, yes, it's a terrible website. Um, I'm trying to think of a freaking dark horse here. Uh, for the entry list, entry list, entry list, entry list, entry car, River Grand Prix, don't have that. And get to edit all of this later, that's fun. Um, We will have in Ohio, then, dang it, um, yeah, and then they'll have a month before Nashville, and then they'll be running, like, basically three weeks in a row then, then they'll have three weeks in a row to end the season on the West Coast. Uh, to a wild card, I will pick... I'll pick Jack Harvey. Why? Because it's Meyer Shank Racing. He's an uh, uh, Michael Shank's an Ohio guy. You know, Ohio's his home racetrack. At some point, Jack Harvey's luck has to turn around. Uh, he puts together great qualifying runs and then dumps it in the race. At some point, that has to go and change, and that he goes and makes the race pace work. All right. So now with that, we will. And tonight's scripture podcast, uh, both uh, Josh and I were able to save ourselves there on that IndyCar deal. And hopefully the IndyCar race is uh, memorable enough that we won't forget it when uh, talking about it next week on the Gripture podcast. And um, we thank you for listening to us. Take care of one another. Stay safe. God bless. And uh, take care.